everybody. So this podcast actually features one of our own Kana members, Pat Durant. He is a regular at the 5.30 a.m. and has been a member for about two years. Uh, Pat recently ran his third 100-mile ultra marathon trail race. Um, and I wanted to get him on the podcast to ask him about what it's like to run for literally a day. Uh, his last run it came in at slightly under 24 hours, uh, which was a PR for him. He came into the next class after his uh, weekend run and said that he PR'd by five and a half hours. So I definitely wanted to get him on the podcast and ask him about everything related to running for that long, what it's like mentally, um, physically, like what he eats, uh, how he trains for it, and uh, his journey in terms of running uh, his third 100 mile race. So hope you enjoy this. Uh, if you have any questions, then just go ahead and email us info at kana.fit and we can always get you in touch with him if you have anything specific to ultra running. All right, here's Pat Durant. Okay, um, so we have Pat Durant, um, 5.30 a.m. or at Connor Fitness on the podcast. And uh, ultimately, we are here to talk about his latest 100-mile uh, race, which is just bonkers in my mind. Uh, but we will get to that. Pat, um, why don't you give a little bit of background as to who you are, what you do for a living, um, and wherever you want to go in terms of background. Sure. Um, all right. So background, uh, I guess I'll start with um, my fitness uh, background first. I got into, just like everybody else that gets into running, it started with a 5K. Uh, I used to live in South Philly, and uh, it was a very popular location to go was um, Boathouse Row, Kelly Drive. And, uh, you know, I would go there with my, you know, my father was also big into running. It's kind of where this kind of stems from. Uh, as a kid, there was a local track that he would, you know, go to every day after work. He would drag me down there. There was like, I think there was like the long jump sand pit. So I'd be playing in the sand pit and he was just doing, you know, loop after loop. Uh, I don't know if that had a subconscious effect on, you know, running, but obviously, it, you know, it did something. So uh, fast forward, I actually didn't get into running uh, up until I would say it was um, more in college. I did not run for college, but I, it was like around college time and I think around 2000, I started to just get into 5Ks, doing them very casually, um, doing the, one of them was the out and back on Kelly Drive, you know, uh, I, th I think I remember that like one of my first races. Uh, Broad Street was also a very big race, um, being in Philly and also my home being right off of, you know, when they run down Broad Street, we were right off of, uh, on Rittner, which right near Methodist Hospital. So, you know, my dad was also, he would drag, he dragged me to that race. We did that as, uh, that was my first, first like big race, uh, big, you know, something over a 5k. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see. So that's where the, the start of running in. Um, and as for my career, I'm in IT, uh, work at like a, um, for a web hosting, uh, data centers that were, that were actually based in Philadelphia. Um, and what happened is, is, you know, with COVID and, uh, we just ended up closing down the data center ever, all the employees ended up moving to working from home. And so obviously that gives me lots of time to do training and CrossFit and all those type of fun activities. Cool. Um, so you, okay, so let's back up. So you would, your dad would like drag you to the track while he ran. Yeah. Do you know what kind of distances he was running? He was, I think in, he ran since he, I think he was like 14. He did mostly uh, track events. Um, I think he did the, I want to say he did the longer events in track, which would be maybe the 5,000 meter. Okay. Um, but when, he, you know, when he was dragging me down to the track, he would probably do three to maybe three to five miles at a time. I don't remember him doing very long distances because it would like, he'd come home from work, we'd go run, you know, he'd run a few miles and we'd go back, uh, back home for dinner. So it was nothing ever crazy. Okay. Um, gotcha. Yeah, it was just like Broad Street, the distance run. Those were the first races that, that started. Um, and then from there, it actually, another thing that he did, were, we would go outside of the city and we'd drive all the way up to Forbidden Drive in the Wissahickon. Mm. So this is where like the trails come in. And so okay. another thing he did, 
and he denies this, but he would run on Forbidden Drive, and then he would just let me go off into the woods, and I would just, you know, explore the trails. Uh, I remember hiking around, and I swear I was no older than 10 or 11. I, I just couldn't imagine doing that with my own kids. Yeah, you'd be arrested um, these days for doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so I would just go off and adventure on the trails, and um, he was always running on Forbidden Drive, and then I'd, I'd come back down, I would meet him, and then we'd head back home. So there was, like, I think the also the start of trail running, which also mm. leads into some of this, what these ultras are about. They're normally done on trails. They're not the majority of them are not done on road or asphalt. Got it. Okay. So you would see him doing these races. And then when was your first race? Did you run in high school? Did you run in school, college? It was, I want to say it was, it was that race uh, that was on Kelly drive. And it was then shortly after that, it was like the big thing was to me and my father to do broad street. Okay. So I remember signing up for that. And this was, we're going back. I think the first one I did was in 2003 or 2004 and I'm, I know I'm coming up I've missed a few years but I'm coming up on my 17th year uh, doing Broad Street so that was always big a big thing in our family then my mom ended up joining in doing Broad Street and then my brother also ended up doing you know doing Broad Street so it's just like tradition of riding the subway up together you know uh, from Patterson Avenue up to the start and uh, just all of us you know um, you know, getting ready, psyched up, and then, you know, just running down Broad Street. And that's like just been one of our uh, family traditions. Got it. So it sounds like a, a family affair in terms of uh, running. If your mom was doing it, your brother was doing it. Yes, they were. It was definitely me and my father. My, my mom was doing some, but like we were running the most. And then they joined in, I'd say, got into it a little bit later. I definitely remember them. Their, their Broad Street counts, like how many they've done is a little bit lower than us. And, you know, um, but yeah, I, I do remember them coming into uh into it a little bit later than us but it, it was a family affair everyone was doing it so we all kind of yep. you know that was your norm yeah. that was your normal yeah 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 do you know your your best uh broad street time up top my best broad street time i've been i've been tracking this for years i've been trying actually to get under one hour and i've yeah. come close a few yeah so it's like a lot of 101s 102s mm. 103s uh I used to pretend another big runner from Philly is uh, Cecily Tynan. She was yes. she would do Broad Street every year, so she was always like literally right next to me at the start, and we had like similar paces. And I was always <laughs> you know making sure I had to beat Cecily Tynan. Like she was my nemesis. Yeah, she's uh, quick. So, she's quick. <laughs> very fast. She's also big into triathlon, uh, I think as well, or maybe her husband was. So mm -hmm. um, I remember always seeing her around events and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was just a. Uh, but now it's like I don't even. I'm not too concerned about that anymore. I mean, maybe I'll still go for it, but there's when you start adding speed into running and like uh, that's where injury starts occurring for me. And I'm so I'm not as focused as that anymore. And again, that's where this shift was was going to running on trails, running on softer surfaces, uh, not so concerned about time as much and more about the experience of it and the things that I see, the places that I can go. Um, and kind of getting away from the road race. Road racing was a big part of my uh, like early career, but now as I've gotten older and I've, I'm learning about how, how to recover quicker, mm -hmm. I know that if I stay off those surfaces where I'm like pounding asphalt, I tend to just bounce back uh, quicker from the training. Got it. When was your first marathon distance? I feel like that's a bucket list item for a lot of people. Uh, yeah, so, so then it was like both my dad and I signed up. We did it together. I think... I want to say it was in 20, maybe 2000, actually it was either 2008 or 2009. I think it was the, the first year of it. Okay. And that was then like, I did one, I, I enjoyed it, but it was super painful. It was typical, just like everybody else. I like, it was at 20 miles, I hit the wall, I started struggling. It mm -hmm. was just like, a, I had to go to like a, a walk run uh, to get through it. And it was just like, you know just the typical first marathon like super painful and actually i really didn't enjoy it like i i didn't mm -hmm. like see myself going back to it um but i was wrong it's literally i just had to get over the pain and of remembering how bad that was and then i you know I'll sign up for another one as soon as you forget the pain of the first race that's right that's right it's like a guy's version of childbirth um yeah but not nearly as bad i guess um okay so that was uh like 2010 ish or so Yep. So what was your next big distance? Was it another marathon? And and how did that evolve? 
so after the marathon, I there was always that love of trail running, and mm. uh, I started looking to see. I started to actually get into trail half marathons, and well, that was mostly what I could find at the time. So there there actually weren't many trail races that you could find, but there was actually one guy uh, who was putting on races at Pennypack Park, and um, his his thing was uber endurance sports is, is the name of his website and his name is uh stefan and uh so he put on the first trail race that i run i run called the um sloppy cuckoo and um it's just like because i guess because it could be muddy it can be you know it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a wet course there was two or three stream crossings and that's you know kind of where it got its name um so i saw that i i ended up doing it i absolutely loved trail running i liked the crossing streams i like the kind of the adventure of that and i started looking at his site and and like saw that you know he was offering like longer distances and i kind of got introduced once i did his race into like i found out about the um the first longer than a marathon race that i did which was called the blues cruise 50k and uh, that was the first like step up from the marathon um that i started looking at and you know getting into training for it and uh looking at going like past the marathon got it and 50k for those of you doing the conversion is a little over 30 miles right it's 31 miles correct yeah 31.2 is the you know official distance but now the transition from the road to the trail it sounds like a lot of that is mitigating injury and just kind of having fun with the scenery and not worrying so much about speed per se on a road race but more about kind of enjoying running for the sake of running so did you get hurt at some point and you were like you know what trail running is really where I want to focus so that I don't get hurt Uh, constantly yeah okay yeah I I, so it was just whenever I was doing the road races I was having the the typical runner's injury I would get it was called like top of the foot pain was one of them I would get like plantar fasciitis I would Mm -hmm. so that's underneath like the bottom of the foot Mm -hmm. Um, I would just get like aches and strains and what I noticed as I transitioned to trail running is that um, I saw that like I would run these these uh, on the trail and not on the flat path I would do like the stuff that where I'm either climbing up hills or going down like rocky paths I noticed that like I was sore, but it was more like uh, it wasn't as localized. It tended mm. to spread out all through my legs and and all through you know the lower body. Versus when I was running on asphalt, um, it was just like I would normally have like direct soreness in a specific area. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, that kind of like keyed me off to like all right. So the more time I spent on a softer surface. Um, you know, I tended to just bounce back quicker. So I, I just started going toward that route because I knew I could, you know, get out there more. Uh, and it was just more enjoyable. It was like more things to see, more, you know, uh, more entertaining on the trail than than if I was running on the road. Were you, were you, were you typically doing um, like trails around here? Uh, were you having to drive far distances for, for running? running? Everything. Um, have you been to like the Wissahickon and like Forbidden Drive? And mm-hmm. uh, Yeah. So if you've been there, like it's, all of the like single track that they have there is where, and um, Wissahickon has over 50 miles of trail. That's what they advertise as because they, mm-hmm. they actually had a challenge where they wanted everyone to try and explore all 50 miles okay. of the park. Um, and uh, they were and like you did having that in people... one day. <laughs> <laughs> I tried it as as much of it as I could because I didn't even realize that that park was that large. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so I would I would go out and I would just like do little like you know four mile five mile sections, anything that like loop back to the car. Um, again, like also trying not to get lost there because mm-hmm. as I was new to it, I felt like you could like kind of get lost there and get turned around. Uh, so it just took time as I uh, got more comfortable with the park and realizing like you know how to find your way. Then I would add the miles on and just go a little bit further each time and you know do certain sections and repeating them and, and stuff like that. Got it. As you're training for this, because uh, Mel from the 5.30 a.m. class uh, had asked this question, uh, how, how do you add miles on? So, you know, when someone is training for a 5K, you know, that is one thing. When they are training for Broad Street, which is 10 miles, that's another. When they're training for a marathon, you know, there are training plans out there for that. So. Did you take any sort of, uh, were you using any sort of plan? Were you, did you have any coaches? Um, were you just winging it and just saying, you know what, I'm going to try to run more 
than usual? No, I so I did like the um, I did seek out like 50k training plans, and the kind of the bread and butter of all uh, ultra mile, you know, ultra distance training plans is that it's the the back to back long runs. So it's doing that long run typically on a Saturday, and it could be upwards of 10 to 12 miles, and then you're following it up right the next day with an additional long run. And that's mm. to simulate the fatigue of of what you're going to get come race day is that, mm. you know, you're going to be so exhausted, your legs are going to be so tired, and then you've got to keep running and kind of keep pushing through it. And, it. and that's what normally I'll end up doing is like I'm running, you know, pretty far one day and then I'm just following it up normally on the weekend with a, a fairly long run um, just to get in those those you know those back-to-back long runs and and simulate that fatigue Hmm. now let me ask you a logistical question because uh you're you're a parent uh as many of our members are uh so with two little kids what's your schedule like to get these long runs in um well (laughs) yeah it was it was definitely easier um as you know when the kids were were younger and um but it's most of it is i'm getting up at uh, either like if if I'm training and I'm getting right uh, before a race, it's typical that for me to get up at like 3:50 in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. and get out and run literally as as right up until I gotta come home, get in the shower, and then like get the kids ready. So mm-hmm. typical. Well, most of it has been like it's two hours. It's like the I'm trying to get in as many of those like uh, the two hour like long run um, as I can, and the very important thing is that you have to match the terrain to the race that's coming up. Mm. So if it's if it's a race that is going to be flat, then yes, like, like I'll be running around just a loop park, you know, as many loops as I can. But if it's going to be like a rocky trail, like single track technical race, then you're I have to head out to the Wissahickon. I got to get, you know, the, doing the climbs and practicing like um, power hiking, like I mean, you know, you think that you're going to run this entire thing, but really what you're going to do, it's you're going to do a mix of walk, run, power hiking, because power hiking actually uses a different set of muscles than running does, than, than walking does. And you're mixing that all together to just kind of get through the event, uh, you know, as, as really as fast as you can, efficiently as you can. Let's talk about the hundreds, because that's why I feel like people are here and, and want to hear about, uh, you know, you've run three 100-mile races, or you, you've Correct. entered three 100-mile races, right? So when was your very first one? So the first one was um, in uh, Titusville, Pennsylvania. I had never heard of the area. Uh, I was unfamiliar with Titusville before I, I found out about the race. But um, the reason why I picked that one was because it was very... It said it was very first-time runner-friendly because it it's a looped course. You do three 50k loops, followed mm-hmm. by like a, a 10 mile, like they call it, going home uh, run. And um, Titusville, I think, is like it's known for these oil rigs, uh, and like you're running around those. And they actually still have like one of the original oil rigs, like they replicate it running, so they get a speaker during the race, and like they're blasting like the oil pumping, like. So in the middle of the night, you can actually hear it. Like you're, that's like one of the points that you're running to. Um, so that was the the first one, um, and uh, that I ended up being really uh, caught off guard because one of the things that can actually uh, really affect your the first time you're doing 100 is the weather, and you really never know what you're going to get. Um, that race ended up the i think the first loop was fine it was nice and clear uh, it wasn't too cold and it was on the second loop that it was just torrential downpour i mean it was just like coming down as hard as i I remember just walking on the these trails and it's just like a river was just flowing Mm. straight down them um it was just a battle to try and avoid uh blisters and chafing and like you know getting out of wet clothes um because the rain eventually did stop getting out of wet co- clothes, getting on dry clothes, like lubing things up, like mm-hmm. <laughs> lubing up mm-hmm. toes. And um, the whole thing just became a trying to keep your the health of your feet alive mm-hmm. uh, because you can have certain things in a 100-mile race go south, and it ends up ending the race for you. Um, so some of those things could end up being stomach issues. Uh, if you are... 
um, one of the thing that, things that people have to get used to is actually running and eating and being able to take in certain foods and um, kind of, you know, quickly digest them. And because uh, what happens like, and people don't realize this is that as you run the blood actually from uh, it's kind of shunted away from your, your stomach and it goes to your, you know, your, your muscles and mm -hmm. it, you actually like just don't process food as well. Mm -hmm. So it normally tends to be like simpler foods. It's not going to be anything heavy or complex. It's going to be candy, soda. Um, it's all the type of stuff I would never let my kids eat. It's like when you're looking at these aid station tables, um, it's just, most of it's junk food. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because the saying goes, I think, like, you know, if the furnace is, is hot enough, anything will burn. And right. it's kind of like you're pushing the pace and you're just kind of throwing in everything everything in. And it, it works for some people. Some people, they need certain things that they have to have uh, for their race and for their dietary, you know, nutrition for a race. Mm -hmm. But I am fortunate enough, I can eat almost anything. I haven't had any issues with my, my stomach. Um yeah, I think we were talking about in class one day, uh, Dean Carnazes, who, you know, has written, I think his book is Born to Run, but um, his wife would be rolling up like in an, uh, an RV with pizza and be rolling it up and he'd be eating it because at that point you're eating to fuel your body for this endeavor. Not, you're not doing it for like health or anything. It's, it's yeah. to literally just get through this race, right? Yeah. The, the, I've only met one thing that I couldn't eat on a race and this was um, my second race. It was it was Vermont. We hit an aid station, and this lady's like, "It's my birthday." I was like, "Oh, cool!" She's like, "They even got me birthday cake." I was like, "Oh my god, birthday cake!" And I was like, "This is probably a bad idea." But I was like, "All right, I'll take a slice," because she was offering it. I was like, "You know, it's her birthday. I have to right. be, you know, nice to her." Yeah. I'm like eating the birthday cake. It was no more than a, a mile after I left the aid station. I just started hurling birthday cake oh up again. God. It was just. Yeah, so that the birthday cake is the only thing I've met uh, in a race that I I can't stomach. Yeah, so you're avoiding anybody with a birthday uh, yes. on race day. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So Titusville, so, how did how did Titusville go for you? So yeah. managing managing my the, the the just the how wet I was, um, I was able to get through it. And the biggest thing that ended up happening is. I met um, two people along the way. It was not their first hundred. Um, and they ended up kind of coaching me through it. Um, we would get to aid stations and I was just like feeling destroyed. I was like, mm -hmm. they were kind of picking me up. They were, you know, telling me any, like anything motivational to kind of like get me up, get me going. Right? Like they were going through the checklist of like, uh, they had broken it out for the age stations, how far each age station was, mm -hmm. and they made it really kind of systematic with how they were approaching it and how they were trying to finish it. Um, and that was like a big thing I learned there is that you really have to, when you're taking the hundred mile distance, you, you know, it's like, how do you eat an elephant? Like a bite at a time. Yeah. And, time. Mm -hmm. yeah you're, so I was just, that's what they were doing. They were breaking it down with like, all right, we just have to focus on getting through this section. And, you know, a big thing of the ultras is that you end up packing up, um, they call them drop bags. So you get to like actually load the things that you want and they will normally spread them out through the race. So there might be three locations uh, out of like maybe 10 aid stations that you'll have access to drop bags. Um, so they were like, they were always talking about like what they put in. I I loaded my own, but I wasn't like crazy about getting to them. But like the one guy was like, oh, I got a Rockstar energy drink at aid station two and he couldn't wait to get to it. Another person was like, I have a toothbrush at you know aid station three because they're like i've been eating junk food all day and i i just want to like brush my teeth um and that he was like it's mm. a game changer like the toothbrush in a you know at mile 67 will like completely you know revitalize you is what he Amazing. was telling me i was like okay i was, I was like if you say so um so ended up we powered through it um you know we all got uh through the night which is kind of the hardest part of it is um there was there were sections where I thought they were gonna, like they were gonna leave me behind, but I, and I was like struggling to keep up, and you know it's in the end is like we got through it, um, got all the way to like mile 90, which was like the last time you hit an aid station, and then it was just like a 10 mile run in, and uh, I just never felt so much pain uh, in my life, and uh, but I was just happy that I kept moving. Like mm -hmm. the big thing is like you know blisters and all the other things that happen um 
uh, you know, still were able to, to just keep moving through the race and just, you know, one step at a time and just like got to the finish. And what was your time for that race? Uh, it was, it was long. It was like a 20, I think it was like 2830, uh, if I remember, or like it was somewhere around the, the 28 hour mark. And so it was over a day of running. Um, not what I had expected. Uh, the, um, I had expected a, a lot faster time, but the, with there was so much rain and because it was a, uh, looped course where people were running through it, the people right after the rain just tore up the course and it mm. was just mounds of mud. So, I mean, you really couldn't even run because mm -hmm. it was like shoe sucking mud. Like I literally was right next to a guy. He pulls up and he just, his, his shoe was gone and his just his sock is there. The mud. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I'm literally like holding his, he's holding my arm and he's trying to like put his, his foot back into the shoe so he can like pull it out cleanly and, you know, and just, so it was it was just way harder than I think any first uh, 100 should have been. And it had like a 62% drop rate is I think what I had calculated. Um, so there was a large portion of people that just didn't make it. Um, it was just too hard of a day. And then like, you know, that's the type of stuff like um, I think the saying is like, um, you know, Oh, shit, what was it? It was, I just heard it on like the other day. It's like the hardest thing you've ever done is the hardest thing you've ever done. And it was like once I got through that, it was like kind of opened up this world like whatever can happen to me or whatever situation could I be in that I'll ever have to do something like that that is so challenging, mm -hmm. so painful, and so trying, you know. I imagine they do, – do they have cutoffs? So like especially on a loop where, you know, if you don't hit a certain time, they're going to they're gonna pull you off the course. Yeah, uh, so that there's a you know a, a final cutoff. Yeah, so I don't think I was for this race. I don't. I wasn't racing the cutoffs. I wasn't that close. Mm -hmm. um, I was a pretty well above because they say, like I said, it was a beginner friendly race. So they have very generous cutoff times. But other gotcha. races will, gotcha. will be more strict with the with the cutoff times. Yeah. Okay. So, how did that pain compare to the marathon pain that for the first marathon? So, you know what's funny is I always say this to people because, like, I, I tell them that even a 5K can be just as painful as a 100-mile race because it's it's the intensity at which it's run. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, the, the, the 5K, the 10K, 10-mile, 10 any distance kind of has its – they're all different because the pace at which you run them at, um, I've found, is, is always different. So, like, the – Another typical thing I always talk about ultras, I say that like an ultra is like life in a day because you start out fresh, you're just born, you know, every everything feels great, there's no pains, you're, you're running fine, you're laughing, you're having a great time. Um, you start to hit 50 mile mark, middle age, it's like things start to hurt, my knees are aching, uh, you know, everything is like kind of like a problem, you know, and then it's like the later miles are like death, you're like literally coming in, you're, you're bent over, you're like, you're just like really crawling to just you know, get to the finish and it's all like, you know, it just goes the, it's just whole range of like, you go from highs to lows and, um, I don't know, you go through the whole gamut of emotions through, uh, through one of these things. But as for pace and pain, mm -hmm. it's, they're all so different. And it, like, it's just, each one is different. Like a 5k can be, um, can be intense in its own way, just like the marathon is. And, and just like the hundred mile is. So when, when was your next hundred and did it, did it take you a while to figure out you wanted to do another hundred? Like after the first one, you were like, you know what, that's done. Hit my hit, hit a goal of running a hundred. You know, I don't have to do any more. Or were you like, now, you know what? I like this. This is for me. Well, it did. It did take some time because I got over it, and I was like, man, it's it, like I'd said before. It wasn't until the pain had subsided of mm -hmm. that first race that I was like, all right, like. I started looking at like, well, what are some other scenic, like fun races that are close by that I could do? And um, that's where I ended up. Uh, it was the following year I looked at uh, Vermont uh, and the Vermont 100 was actually a very unique race. It's actually a horse, it started off as a horse race. And it, I think like, um, well, I mean, if you wanna go into the histories of ultras in general, they were horse races and mm -hmm. the actual uh, very first hundred mile race 
um, the guy's horse ended up going lame and he, he couldn't run with the horse in his race, but he ended up running the race. He mm -hmm. ran, you know, and this was back in the seven, I think it was in the seventies. I don't, I don't know my history that well, but so Vermont was actually one of the original horse races that ultras had come from. Gotcha. So it was so cool. Like you, you were, there was only, I think 20, uh, horses that, uh, were in the race, but they, they, the runners ended up going off first and then the horses are released afterward. And it's just like, they're just amazing to see on the course and you're running side by side with them in some of the most scenic, uh, you know, kind of, you know, mountainous uh, terrain that um, you can imagine. Mm -hmm. So Vermont, uh, 100 miles, H how is that race experience compared to the first one? So again, the the weather wasn't on my side uh, for Vermont. Uh, ended up being a, um, I think it ended up going up to 100 degrees that day. And um, I actually got a call for one of my parents' friends who is an ultra runner and a, you know big time fitness uh, enthusiast. He's he's a coach. He's a he's a he's gone to Kona, which is the um, the triathlon, uh, kind of, you know, the Ironman triathlon, like finals is in Kona, mm -hmm. uh, Hawaii. And, um, so he actually called my dad and he said like, look, like, you know, I see what the temperature is going to be. He's like, um, you have to go out painfully slow. Like you don't realize how much the heat ends up, um, your body gets taxed in the heat and it's going to end up affecting everything with your running so don't try and bank time as he was you know like most people think like yeah. oh i'm just gonna like you know i'm gonna shoot out like while it's nice and cool in the in the morning i'm gonna bank some time and then like i'll be able to make it up like you know just later now he's like you have to start off painfully slow and I, I swear, if it wasn't for that little piece of advice, which I did, I didn't go, you know, flying out. I, I just stayed in the back. I just waited. And I knew that, like, the whole thing was going to be just getting through that intense heat and then, like, getting to that, the, the nighttime, um, you know, when it would be, like, easier to run. And um, interesting uh, tidbit about, like, that race, um, one of the things that the, the horses have to go through, and uh, I'm, I'm also big into this with my training, is... They, um, they have hold stations for the horses. So this is also just to check the health of the horses. So mm -hmm. what they'll do as a horse comes into a station, uh, they let it rest for a second, they get its heart rate, and then they'll do a, a gallop with the horse in the station, and they'll check its, its heart rate to make sure that its heart rate actually will come back down. So if the horse can't control its heart rate or its heart rate is just staying too elevated, they'll end up either pulling the horse from the race or the, 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 really the horse won't be able to just continue. And um, one of the big things that like I'm into is heart rate training, heart rate variability. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard of like the Phil, uh, Phil Maffetone and the Maffetone method. I've not heard of the Maffetone method. No. So he's got a, like a real basic formula. It's 180 minus your age. Oh, and so yes. I didn't know yeah, okay. I did that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that that's his sure. his whole thing. He was he was a big time like triathlete trainer. Um and he trained like some of the top athletes. And his whole thing is that you're building you're trying to build this aerobic base and you are training in a range to build that base. You're also eating foods that kind of conform with more of a, a fat burning, like you wanna like, you know, um you're trying to use like your 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 longer energy stores versus like being so you know, kind ketones. of like, yeah, yeah of like glycogen. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it's just like funny to hear that about the horses. And I've always, uh, that's the big thing I, I try and monitor when I'm doing these races. Um, I am keeping an eye on my heart rate, trying to keep it in that zone. Um, cause I do think it is like a window into overtraining, mm -hmm. overexerting yourself and people just probably running too fast where, you know, cortisol is released like a stress hormone and then that ends up um you know causing injury and overtraining and just there's like a whole host of injuries that end up coming with just actually running too fast um for what your aerobic system can handle so what was your time for the vermont race so uh, vermont i think ended up being i was so vermont has a 30 hour cutoff and i ended up i think coming in uh, 29 something. It was like 29, thir another like 29, 30 or, um, so cool thing about that is again, um, 
first race, I had two people that helped me through it. Uh, Vermont has a, a pacer matchup system. So they, I asked for a pacer that could run 30 miles. And I didn't think anything about that until I actually started running with people come race day. And like, yeah, like I have two pacers, I have three pacers, you know, I have this pacer is going to run 10 miles with me here and another pacer. Um, I just, I just said, well, can someone just run the, the whole, you know, cause that was the max you weren't allowed to have a pacer before that you could only have them from 70 on. So I said, Oh, could I just have one pacer through And they did find someone. And, um, it was this, uh, this guy named Mark Richardson and, uh, he was someone that wanted to come out. He wanted to try, you know, and see what Vermont was like. And he ended up meeting me at mile 70 and he was a lifesaver. Just another person that, um, I met on the, you know, on the course and kind of, I just met him for the first time the day before. Um, and, uh, we just hit it off. We were talking through the whole thing. He was keeping an eye on me, making sure like, um, you know, keep it on, uh, with eating, eating food, uh, just the, all the different types of things that you're trying to watch out for. Um, they ended up having like horrible horse flies. Like I- I've never been in an area where mm. the flies are so aggressive and they're just literally attacking you the entire time. So he ended up having like a mask that like, uh, you could wear like for a face covering to keep the flies out. And he, you know, uh, all these different things. He told me a trick about like, I had a headlamp on, he said, move it down around your waist. So like the flies aren't like coming for the light. So all these different things. Um, he ended up helping me get through it and kind of like, um, another thing was like, I ended up, uh, the heat was so intense that like it started causing, uh, I had vision loss in my left eye. And I think it was just like a more of a fatigue thing, like a muscle was either um, just strained, I guess, because it was I was mm. getting double vision. Mm. I told him this. I said, "Look, I just got to lay down and like sleep for like five ten minutes, <laughs> just, you know." Um, so he's like watching me on the side of the road as I'm sleeping, but he's keeping an eye on the clock because he knows that like we got a thirty hour cutoff. Mm-hmm. And I just remember him waking me up, and then like you know we were able to run that thing in and uh, you know finish it out. Um, you know, with a decent time and same thing. It was another day where like half the field, more than half the field ended up dropping from the race because of the intense heat. That is incredible. Yeah. What, what year was that? That was 2019. Um, okay. Yeah. So and amazingly, well, there, there's a lottery to get into these races. There are so many people that want to run these races that I actually first had to get selected for it, which I did. And, and, you know, and then, uh, you know, that whole story goes with getting into it, but. Now your most recent one was this past, well, I guess now two weekends ago. Yeah. Uh, so talk about that one. Okay. So what I was hoping for with the third time was, um, I was the big, there's a big emphasis around 24 hours, uh, with ultra running. Um, and I was looking for a course that was like somewhat scenic. It was again close that I could not have to travel too far to. I didn't want to have to like fly a plane. Um, and I ended up finding the the Pine Creek Challenge, which now it's classified as a challenge. So it's like it's really more just a completion thing. Um, it's they don't like give awards for first, second, third, or age mm. group or anything like that. It's just more about your own setting, like kind of your own personal time that you're trying to complete it in. And I was like, this is it. I was like, I think I could, you know, it should be pretty easy to go sub 24 in a, what they say is a pretty flat, uh, easy race. And was it flat? And easy? <laughs> it, it was, I mean, now it wasn't easy, <laughs> but I ended up just, it was a whole different set of hurdles that like I was trying to kind of overcome with this race. So, um, the flat terrain ended up kind of doing what I had talked about with running on the road. Mm-hmm. It, I started kind of getting that repetitive stress injury in like certain muscle groups in my legs. And it was just like, I was like, oh, oh crap, this is like, you know, a lot more strain on not the, like your entire leg or, or you know, just the entire lower part of your body. It was more like on specific muscles. So they were it was a different type of pain I think I felt than other races where, you know, it's more, it was more localized, um, you know, versus a, a general pain. So I ended up, uh, same thing with this. I, um, met, uh, like there were three people that I ended up running with in the beginning. One of them kind of dropped back. Another guy was way faster runner. He ended up kind of going ahead at one point and, um, 
uh, most of the race I had run. Um, uh, oh my God, I'm like blanking on um, uh, her name. Um, <laughs> it was uh, oh my God, what Michelle? Um, uh, I ended up meeting Michelle at probably around like mile twenty or so, and uh, same thing. It's just like we you know we were just like kind of battling in it together we had a similar pace we had a similar goal both trying to go for uh sub 24 hour and uh she was just like someone there that could like kind of ease your take your mind off the pain i mean the big thing like you're trying to do with this is just like kind of get your mind off the miles and get your mind off of you know what you're going through and uh distract yourself i mean i guess you could do there's many ways you could do it. You maybe put on music, but um, I found that like during these events, if you can hook up with someone who has a similar pace um, and you know is is a fun person to be around, you'll end up just having a, a great time at these things and just doing actually just better in the race in general. So the question on everyone's mind is, did you meet your 24-hour goal? Yes. So we. Um, it was kind of like one of those same things. Like the whole time that we're on the the um, the trail, like I had this little printout. It was just like a little grid of the um, the race, and it was the mile markers. It was like access. You know, if do you have access to a drop bag? Um, do you have access to your support crew? And it was also the the little breakdown of the miles per um, aid station, like how you how far you'd have to go to the next aid station. Mm-hmm. So I was literally studying this thing because in my mind, I would like, I would hit one of them and I'm like, all right, one down, like 20 to go. And I was like, just checking these things off. But I literally could ask Michelle like, all right, how much is it the next? And I'm like fishing for my thing. And she would literally spout out the exact mileage um, uh, of what it was to the next aid station. So she had this whole thing memorized. And uh, that's what we did. We were just like, we were getting through aid station after aid station. Um, again like coming like you're eating some of the some of the food you find there it's all junk food but one of this um i was able to take down some donuts uh at one of the aid stations didn't have any issues uh they had pizza there um i'm just trying to think of some of the uh the weird any weird stuff but yeah it was just like same thing it was just clicking off aid station after aid station until it would started to kind of get later at night and then it's like you start to f- kind of feel the, f- the cumulative f- you know fatigue of the day um and it was just like uh, just a tiredness and uh unfortunately i i wasn't i normally you can get coffee at some of these aid stations but i think we hit ended up hitting like mile uh, it was like 80 or so and the aid station which i thought would have it didn't have any and they said like oh well i think they have it at aid station 90 um mm. So and then it was just like, all right, so I'll just get there. And I was just like, I'll get, you know, get to that point, get some coffee in me. And that, that really can like turn it around for you in a race. Mm-hmm. Um, it is normal to have caffeine in like the drinks that you have, but like it just wasn't, I guess, enough caffeine in, in the drink that I was using um, for this race. I think in but, your blog post, you talked about having maybe next time uh, packets of instant coffee. Yeah. Like just something um, to kind of like, you know, it, because you there's you're dealing with sleep deprivation. Um, it's common. I, I've heard many stories of people hallucinating while they're on the trail and just mm-hmm. seeing things that aren't there. Like because you're going so long without any type of sleep, you know, the mind starts playing tricks on you. Like they were telling us that there was a rattlesnake on the side of the road. So like you start thinking you're seeing things, mm-hmm. or like you start seeing shapes that are jumping out from the side. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw like a small little bear that like ran into the you know like into the side of the like the, the little where the little stream was. It's like I don't know. It's like you start like questioning your your insanity um, once you're out there for you know long enough. They make um, caffeine gum. I'm not recommending this to everybody, but um, <laughs> yeah, they make for and it was originally developed for like LEOs, law enforcement officers, or like fighter pilots who you know they needed to stay awake, but they also couldn't be like slamming down cups of coffee if in case they had to you do, know. do you know how many milligrams of caffeine it has like what the so, equivalent so nowadays there's a ton of different brands um but there's there's definitely ones that i've had in the past just to try it uh, that were at like 200 milligrams per like okay. piece of gum so that's like a cup of coffee yeah yeah i was gonna say is what is a cup of coffee is it is it 100 or is it is Usually it 200? 200 yeah but okay 
Depends on the, on the cup, right? Like you get a cup of coffee from Starbucks, a grande is like 400 milligrams. So Okay. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, anything like you're really looking for any type of uh, thing that can kind of help turn it around. Um, so I got the coffee and I felt so much better. Like we were able to go back and forth. We were, she would push the pace, the pace, I would push the pace. There was like, we were going between a walk run combo because at this point we were like, you know, kind of just like, you know, you just know that you're going to hit your goal. So like we knew like doing the math, like, all right, we should hit this aid station at this time. And like, all right, we're going to be under 24 hours. Now she was like third. She was like, we were, I think she was the second place female for most of the race. So we were trying to like, we'd see some girls pass and like, we'd like try and like, oh, maybe we should like speed it up a little bit. And uh, so there was a little bit of a, like a game going on there. We were just trying to keep ahead of certain people. And um, I think she ended up being like, she was like third place female in the race. And uh, she, she was, she was happy to have completed it. You know, that was a big thing. Like I remember my first race and how important it was when the people had helped me through it and what a difference it made. And like, I kind of saw that I was like, well, I mean, I don't think I could have gone any faster anyway, but I did see that there was an opportunity to like, you know, help push her through this to, to, you know, help her complete her, her first hundred mile race. And I don't like, I know it has a, it has a huge impact, had a huge impact on me. And I was like, oh, well, if I get a chance to do that for someone, like I'd definitely do it. It sounds like through these races, the common theme to help you finish is running with other people is to have that yeah. you know the the camaraderie even though everyone's running their own race the fact that you're just there for each other keep some conversation going get your mind off the actual running and the pain and you know the the human aspect is definitely huge yeah it's i don't this is it's completely unlike any other road race 5k no one's going to talk to you in a 5k no one's going to talk to you in a in even a, a, a marathon maybe they would maybe a marathon but when it goes for these longer trail events because some of these inclines can be so steep that you're hiking up them anyway and like why wouldn't you talk to the person next to you like they're mm -hmm. hiking right there with you like mm -hmm. you everyone's going through the same suffering together so it just creates this like instant bond with complete strangers and people will tell you i mean pretty intimate details because they feel like they know you or they they feel like they're suffering with you mm -hmm. so it's like you know i've had some of the craziest conversations and just you know stuff that like you would not that no one would you would meet on the street would tell you some of the things that they would tell you in like these these ultra events and i just i have never found anything like that and it has to be from that just shared suffering you know yeah uh, or the fact that you're hallucinating because you've yeah. been running and, and you've been awake for that long. You just don't care anymore. You like you literally you don't like, even care. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what, what, what are they going to do? Who cares? I'm never going to see this person again. Like, right. you know, like what does it matter? I tell them anything. Well, part of the part of being in the military, not that I was in the military, but the whole point, a big point of PT and a big point of basically beating down, you know, you know, privates or you know, whoever, you know, when you enter the military is the shared experience is to create a bond because if you know your higher ups are making all of you uh as troops you know do this hard thing then you're going to bond together closer like part of it is definitely psychological obviously there's the physical aspect but part of why they do this tough training is so that the troops bond together that because yeah. they have that shared suffering um which is a lot like CrossFit. Um, that's what I was going to say. Don't you? That's what I get. When, so when I go to CrossFit, I get hints of that, like in the 530 class. And like we all have to do it together. We all suffer through it. I get some of that in small doses. I mean, these, mm -hmm. like, you know, these little hour long classes are, I, I feel that same type of thing, but just in a little, like, little mini dose, mm -hmm. you know, because it's a, yeah. it's a short little workout, it's, a, right. it's intense. Right. We all go through it together and then we all finish. And like, that's what kind of brings me back to it, you know? Now you started actually coming up on a year, on two years, uh, cause I think it was October of 2019. So was that before or after that second hundred mile race that you did in 2019? The, I, so I the remember Vermont for one. the, so for the very first hundred mile race, I actually used jujitsu as, so I'm always trying to train the mental side of this, which I think is mm. the hardest uh, thing to do with uh, ultra running. It's like, I think the, 
the physical training and the running and putting in the miles is, is simple. Like anyone can do it. You can follow a training plan. You can just look one up online and just like follow it blindly and, and maybe you can get through it. But the what normally gets most people is that negative chatter that starts happening once things get very difficult, once things get painful. And so I'm always looking for, well, what's something different I can do that's like extremely difficult that uh, can kind of like you know, it's a muscle like anything else. Like, can can you literally strengthen the muscle of, um, you know, not giving up? Like, and just mm-hmm. like pushing through pain. So I had first tried jujitsu, and I really enjoyed it. I I did it for eight months. I was progressing. I was I was getting um, stripes on my white belt, and um, the only reason I ended up stepping away from it was the time didn't work out. It was always late at night. And it would end up, I'd come off from jujitsu and I was just wired. Like mm. I couldn't come down off the high of like, it was like with rolling with people and you're trying to do these submissions. It it was another thing just like CrossFit where it, there, you create a bond with people, but it was just in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it was just too late and it didn't work out with my schedule. So I was like, I'll take a break from it. And um, I ended up running a 50K there was this lady I was talking to and she was just going on and on about CrossFit and we were running together and we were probably three miles from the finish and she just dropped me and like she was so strong like literally like in her back I could see like like the muscles and like I was like it was just like from CrossFit she was saying like how much CrossFit had helped her running I was like well shit I mean like you know I was like I I was like, I have to try that. Like, yeah. um, so I remember it was after that race, after that experience, I was like, I'll, I'll go try. And I also, um, my daughter, you know, goes to, uh, 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 school with, um, Shannon, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and parents, another member of the yeah. gym John and yep. yes. And so they were telling me I had met them and they were telling me about CrossFit and mm. how much they liked their gym. So it kind of got me, you know, it was just like a perfect timing of these people telling me, well, how much they like CrossFit, how much it could help me mm-hmm. and how like I'd be so good at it because there's running in it, you know, <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> sign me up. Not that kind of running, but yeah, yeah, not the yeah, but um, yeah, so like I like, like we were saying there was there's hints of that 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 community um, and that that shared suffering that I saw I see in the classes in the morning and it's kind of what keeps me coming back to it and um, I've just enjoyed it so much as especially during COVID and the lockdown and having like a routine to do something um, you know to get out of the house as I I work from home I'm here all the time Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah it's it's I think it it helps train that same mental side of uh, for to help with ultras because I like the fact that like I come into class, I don't know what the workout is, I specifically don't look it up, mm. and I have to just try and figure it out, and I have to like, um, it's going to be like some workout I may be good at, may not be, but I have to just literally power through it, and it's the same thing in ultras, is that the race will throw crazy things at you, you have no idea what's going to happen, and you just kind of have to power through it, and it's I, so it's a little bit of a practice of that every single day that I go to the gym. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's how well can you handle a situation that you're unsure if you're going to do well at, and you know mm-hmm. how 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 well can you get through it? For sure, there's absolutely the the physical training aspect side to it, but I find the the six inches between your ears, like what happens between your ears, to me is the bigger part of it, right? Because oh, yeah. a lot of people tend to end up doing things they never thought they were capable of. Right. Oh, yeah. Lifting more weight than they ever thought they would running more than they ever would. Uh, Maybe not for you, but, you know, for a lot of our people who hate running, they're suddenly running 400s, 800s, and they never thought they would be a runner. Right. Um, I find it interesting that or, or maybe this is more of a question. So when you when you started, did you ever have that thought of, you know, since you are a long distance runner, that strength training would put on weight that you didn't want or need? Uh, or was that not even a concern? No, I like I do think about that because like I'm going to be carrying that extra bulk mm-hmm. with me every single step of the way. I mean, these races are like you're kind of calculating everything that you have to carry, and that's mm-hmm. even down to how much water that you're going to carry on you. Yeah, for sure. And um, so I mean, I I just think that 
because of how much mileage I do, I don't think I will ever like bulk up, and I never go crazy heavy, you know, mm -hmm. in the gym that would, you know, <laughs> make me bulk up or, mm -hmm. um, but like I'm okay with that because like I'm not trying to um, win these things like. I, I still am like struggling at the hundred mile distance and the even like the fifty K and longer are like I'm trying to like dial it in with, you know, the training and how much and what my perfect race weight is and mm. diet and nutrition and it's so many things and gears and knobs that I'm turning to try and figure this thing out that I still don't have it and I'm I'm still tweaking as I go. And I I don't know I I definitely would say that I don't want to be too big, but like, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think I have that. I'll ever have that problem. It's just like because the running and weightlifting, like they don't really mix. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think you could ever. Could you really ever get too big? Like, I don't think I, I spend the time in doing. I don't know. It, it's kind of like a. Chances are, after almost two years, if that were to happen, it would have happened. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. a lot of it is genetics. Um, I would also say nutrition plays a big part of it. And then you're right, like the volume and the, the types of weights you're using matters a lot for, like I said, if you were genetically di disposed to bulking up um, mm -hmm. as being, um, you know, uh, more of an ectomorph um, than a mesomorph, then that would have already happened, but it hasn't. Okay. So to me, it sounds like the pro of the mental training, the mental toughness, uh, far out to way outweighs any sort of uh, negative or con of the physical training side of it mm. in terms of like possibly adding some bulk or some weight. Um, well, that's a good point about the diet because I, one thing I didn't mention is that I'm, I'm big on intermittent fasting. And mm -hmm. there's a there's a huge reason for that because most of these races are going to be about how well can you metabolize fat as fuel. Mm -hmm. And I'm taking in carbohydrates, but there's always the saying like like fat burns in the flame of of carbohydrates. Like I don't know if you ever mm -hmm. heard that saying, but so you're going to be taking them in to help you burn fat. So mm -hmm. one of the big things that like I started a, like a while ago is like during the week I do you know intermittent fasting. I don't eat late at night, and like I'm normally not. You know, when I first started it, I didn't have a, my first bite until nine o'clock. But then, like, as I got better with it, I'm not having that first bite until eleven o'clock. Mm -hmm. And I found that once I started doing that, and this was like a year ago, that completely changed like my energy level. Like, I felt like I could do these longer runs and longer type of races, and it was just easier. Like, I just had more energy. Um, because I wasn't riding the roller coaster of like small meals and like, you know, kind of um, just like constantly, you know, uh, putting food in my mouth to kind of, you know, fuel myself. I was, I was specifically like, you know, doing the time restricted eating uh, mm -hmm. to help, you know, promote uh, fat burning. And, and I, that was another thing that, you know, I guess would stop me from bulking up ever because sure. I'm not. You know, to probably taking in the calories that would be needed to mm -hmm. to put on that mass. Exactly. Yeah. I also like the cognitive advantage of intermittent fasting, and for me, I feel more sharp um, when I'm running on, on more ketones than than carbs. Um, so oh, I don't yeah. Know, I don't if it, you get that, like the cognitive edge, uh, feeling absolutely. more dialed in, more focused. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, and that's another like, and that's common. Like everyone says the same thing. Like mm -hmm. they feel like they're sharper, uh, you know, when they're, they're in a fasted state. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, but for, I've found like, I'll do it Monday through Friday because, um, I, on the weekends, like, you know, with the kids and the schedule, I'll just like, I'll, they're my cheat days. I'll, you know, sure. Saturday, Sunday, eat whatever, then Monday through Friday back into that routine. Mm -hmm. And I found like that works the best for, for training, for running and, and just everything for having like the energy level to keep up with the kids yep. and to still keep doing these races. Cool. Love it. I was going to ask you about nutrition, so I'm glad we, we got to that. Um, I want to wrap up cause it's been actually almost an hour. Um, huh. Reshmi asked, advice for any for someone new to running so Reshmi is uh, not afraid to say that she uh, hates running but she just ran her first 5k uh, I think it was this past weekend um, or maybe the weekend before so maybe she's not looking to do a hundred mile race right but maybe she's looking to do Broad Street at some point um, what would you recommend for someone like her I mean you know the, I think the there's no shame in the run walk combo like if you're doing a run and it feels like it's too hard on you 
or it's too stressful, this gets me back to the heart rate. And like when things became like enjoyable, I was I was keeping an eye on my heart rate. And this is where this 180 minus your age. Mm-hmm. So I found that if you can get some type of device that helps monitor your, your heart rate, run at 180 minus your age, keep it in that zone. And you'll find that it takes, um, to do the Maffetone method, it actually takes like three to four months for your body to get used to it. So you're running, you will not let your heart rate go above that limit. And I did that for three to four months and it's just like, you're gonna have a run, walk, run, walk. And and you'll see that you'll slowly be able to kind of push that run a little bit further before you have to start walking again. But what it made for me is it made it more enjoyable. Like you know, when your heart is beating out your chest, like something's wrong and it's probably causing that type of stress on you that makes you feel like running does suck. Like it, it's just like, it's not enjoyable when it's like that. Um, so I would say do the run walk combo and I would look at your heart, the heart rate training. I think there's something there because it really is a window into recovery. Um, and it can really help prevent that overtraining and it really makes running enjoyable. I mean, like it totally changed it around for me when I started um, looking at heart rate. Now I don't even need to look at it. I just, mm-hmm. I can run right That's in that zone and I'm, I'm just like, I can run all day and I know it's like, I don't, I don't ever get tired of it. And that's what led to these things. It's like, I knew I could do it because it felt comfortable enough and you don't, you don't end up hating running. Mm-hmm. Love it. Now we have uh, another hundred coming up, right? Is that yes. in a few weeks? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, well, because Broad Street got pushed back and I didn't plan this, I'm going to end up having like a 50K, then one weekend, Broad Street, then 100 miles. So I'm debating if I should just not do Broad Street because that's just going to, I'm probably not going to be able to recover in time. Um, so yeah, it's it's there's the 50K that I, it was the first ultra I did, so I want to do it. And then I'm, I'm trying to debate if I have to give up on Broad Street, but there's the whole family tradition there. You're right. So right. like, I can't, I can't <laughs> like not do that. And then there's the hundred. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I'm a little torn, but yeah, I'm heading to that, that next hundred and hopefully it's going to go well. And I'm, I'm hoping for this, I'm going back to Titusville. So I'm going back to mm. the first hundred mile race I did and I'm praying that there's no rain. And I'm praying that I have just dry conditions and I can run that course how I should have ran it, you know, back in 2018. Cool. So what what's on your, I asked this for everyone on the podcast, but what's on your bucket list? And that can be running bucket list or it could be just general life bucket list. Uh, oh, man. Um I don't know. Well, the the two hundreds in one year was was actually one of the items. I'm going to do that this year. All all you know, knock on wood. Two hundreds right. within about a month. Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't. Now I hate to tell you, there, there's also two hundred mile races. Um, they are multi day events. Um, I don't know if that's on my bucket. I can't even say it's on my bucket list. My wife would probably kill me if she found out I was trying to do a two hundred mile. It's even more time I'd have to leave the kids. Um, it would probably just do to be do some of the top hundred mile races. So it'd be like one of them is um, Western States is mm-hmm. it's in, uh, that's one of the like the original hundred mile races. It's a super scenic course, but it it's a lottery. It can take up to five years to get into that or ten mm-hmm. years to get into that race with mm-hmm. how their lottery system works. Um, it'd probably be just to travel for some hundred mile races and see parts of the the world I haven't seen, and that that's what these things have. Um, you know, they've done originally, you know, for me, why I got in them is just to see new places. Mm-hmm. And I would just extend that to just see some, some further away places. Yeah. We were talking about, cause I, I was reading up on Grand Canyon and, and how people do the rim to rim, uh, which I think rim to rim is like 21 miles. So you'd probably end up doing at least rim to rim to rim. Um, because you know, less than a marathon is, is too easy, but. Well, well wait a minute. Have you be... ever done a marathon or anything? Yeah, I've done the marathon. Uh, that was on a bucket list. Um, so did that in uh, twenty six. So this was like twenty twelve or so, twenty fourteen. Okay, so something like that. Yeah, yeah. So have done a marathon. Um, afterwards, said I would never do it again, mostly because <laughs> the amount of time it would it takes to train for that 
uh, or at mm-hmm. least it took to train. Um, I was doing cross at the time, both, you know, Diddy and I ran that marathon. Um, it was poetic for her because she was precisely 26.2 ages, uh, you know, years old. Um, oh, okay. So it was, you know, poetic. Um, and it was the Philly one. Um, it was fine. Hit that wall, you know, at mile like 22. Ended up like skipping the last few miles. Um, like literally skipping to like keep weight off one leg. Um, yeah, I, I would probably... What was the time for it? Uh, three and a half. Oh, nice. That's that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, it, felt, it, it, it went pretty well for, you know, having seized up one leg cramping up and the last few miles um, overall time went was, was fine. Um, I like Broad Street because I can do it without really training for it at all. Mm-hmm. Like it just, the CrossFit training, the, the stuff we do in class is enough. Um, I might go for a few longer runs just to get the, the, the feet used to the longer distances, you know? Um, I don't know. I'm someone where, like, if I hear something crazy and I feel like it's just one of those, like, crazy things to do, like talking to you about 100 miles, not that I would necessarily do 100 miles, but, you know, skipping the marathon and going for, like, a 50K just to be able to say that I did that, right? Yeah. That's something that I would do, not that I'm saying I'm, I'm doing right now, but that would be in my personality. I just think like with your training and like just overall fitness and like what we talked about how it puts different strain on different muscles, it's mm-hmm. not like a road marathon. So you could do a yeah. 50K, I think, so, pretty easy. So what I'm in, yeah, I've never done a trail run, right? So um, oh my God. I've been on trails running, but I've never done a trail run, right? So the fact that mm. you say that it hits all parts of the legs rather than just, because what I didn't like was the pound, the constant pounding of the road. Um, mm-hmm. So it sounds like from what you're saying, trail running may actually be you know something i, I could get into um oh, yeah. which i had not considered so oh yeah. there's a lot of good races if you want first time good races they're at Pennypack park mm-hmm. um a lot of there's a lot of trail races that happen there there's some that happen at the wissahickon uh some have been canceled uh this year because there was actually a trail half marathon and a trail full marathon at the wissahickon mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but yeah they're they're I would just find one and it's a completely different game. It's just, if you've never done a trail race, I would, you know, try one out and like, it's, it's, they're fun. I mean, I really can't say enough about them. Cool. Love it. All right. So, uh, we're going to let these other folks go. So I'm going to stop the live stream, but Pat, thanks for being on here and talking about your races. And if uh, anybody has any questions, uh, actually where, so talk about your blog. Cause, uh, I imagine you're a punk fan because, uh, play on words there. Um, yeah. Your blog is called Bouncing uh, Souls, but not like yes, a punk Yes, with a S-O-L-E-S, bouncing yeah. S-O-L-E-S uh, dot com. Uh, that's just a journal. I like, so I'm in IT and all that, that, you know, WordPress blogs and any of that type of stuff is just second nature to me. Mm-hmm. So it was so, it was simple to just spin one up. And I, yep. all I do is I just write about just, I try and like write what went, the, the, there's one thing I try and do with my races, like I've been doing it since I started them. I'd write what went right what went wrong and what I would do differently every single mm-hmm. race. And mm-hmm. I think it's a nice little tool to look back at when you go to these races the second or third time, yep. you know, what could you do a little different? And I've just learned so much just from journaling about these races. And I've, you know, people have contacted me and I, I it's just, it's a fun little just side thing I do just, you know, for the hell of it. Cool. All right, guys, if anybody wants to follow Pat, follow him at bouncing souls.com. Uh, he has a YouTube channel too. And obviously you're probably on Strava, right? Um, just, yep. 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 All right, guys. Um, Thank you, and thank you, Pat. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this. You got it. All right. I'll see you.